0: If you're anything like me, your health is very important to you. I know you listen to the show for tips to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Well, I have some great news for you. James Miller Lifeology has partnered with BioOptimizer's Nutrition. As an avid nutrition and exercise enthusiast, I thought I knew a lot. But after taking the 12-week health course BioOptimizer's offers and implementing their supplements, I noticed a huge difference in my energy and my digestive tract. Since you're a listener of Lifeology Radio, Bio-Optimizers is offering you the same 12-week course absolutely free. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements to take this free course. Here is a sample of what you'd learn. How to get 70% more energy in 30 seconds or less. The ultimate key to high performance health and longevity how to turn the tide against uncontrollable food cravings, how to select the most powerful supplements for you, how to stay lean and trim without sacrifice, the simplest and fastest way to detoxification and great skin, and much, much more. To get access to this awesome health course, simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements and sign up today. Once again, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash supplements or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to explain the importance of altruism. I'll also be interviewing author and leadership expert Art Barter, who has a unique philosophy on leadership. In his company, he has successfully implemented servant leadership and has raised their revenue by 2000% as well as created relationships with consumers that blows competitors out of the water. He reviews this process in his latest book, The Art of Servant Leadership, Part 2. How you get results is more important than the results themselves. For more information about art and servant leadership, please visit ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name James Miller Lifeology. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. The importance of altruism. Altruism essentially means doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return. A good example to think about is as a child, your parents do something for you. You wake up and there's your favorite chocolate chip cookies, or they bring a gift home from a work trip. Those types of things are done without any expectation of receiving something in return. As a child, we feel so good about that. It feels amazing. Fast forward years later, you do something for a friend of yours, or you do something for your own children. How do you think that makes them feel? We don't realize that altruism is a very important part of our society. Often we think, I'm only going to do something for somebody if they do something for me in return. And at times that philosophy makes sense, but other times it doesn't. How different would the world be if we all had this concept of altruism, doing something for our family or even our peer group without expecting anything in return? In just a few minutes, you're going to hear an amazing interview with Art Barter, who talks about servant leadership. I wanted to expand that to the form of altruism in our everyday life. We can link altruism, in other words, doing something for someone else without expecting anything in return, in a very similar fashion to being a servant to others. And being a servant does not mean to acquiesce to other people's whims or to be less than or to be one of their employees. It just simply means doing something for others and wanting to improve or enhance their life. Think about this in your friend group. If you and your friends continually do things for each other because you thought of them, you thought it would be something nice for them, how amazing would that friend group be? How tight and how bonded would you be? The more we do things for other people without expecting anything in return, the byproduct is we actually do feel better ourselves. The reason why is because when we are able to enhance the lives of other people, it actually releases neurotransmitters in our own body, which causes us to feel better. Now, if our motivation was to do something for someone else so that we would look better, unfortunately, those neurotransmitters would not actually be excreted in our body. The neurotransmitters are serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, those types of neurochemicals are actually the feel-good chemicals. So the great byproduct of all of this is when you do other things for other people without expecting anything in return, your body automatically blesses you and gives you a wonderful return as well. You feel really good about yourself. Studies have actually shown that those people who live more of an altruistic life or who volunteer for different types of things or who give out of their time and energy actually live longer. And the reason why is because more of these neurotransmitters that are secreted in our body decreases cortisol levels, or even just simply decreases the fight or flight syndrome, which affects us and causes us to always live with tension in our body. So the more often you're altruistic, you're actually going to live longer, believe it or not. So the whole lesson today is just simply, how can you be more of a servant or how can you do other things for your peers or even strangers without expecting anything in return? The more you're open to this, to just simply do things because it's kind, you'll find that your own life starts to become enhanced. You'll find that the people around you start to act the same way or start to emulate you And pretty soon, your friend group, your family, your work group, all of you start to live a life of altruism. Now, with that being said, we want to make sure that we keep in mind that we all have boundaries. Anything that goes beyond our personal boundaries of what keeps us safe, we need to recognize that there's a difference between that. Just because I can do other things for other people does not mean I always should if it crosses my personal boundaries. So keep in mind, there's always checks and balances. But when you're able to give out to other people in an altruistic way, you'll find that there's so many benefits to that. So today, look for opportunities to be altruistic. My guest today is Art Barter, an author and leadership expert who has a unique philosophy that he teaches. Today, he reviews his latest book, The Art of Servant Leadership, Part 2. How you get results is more important than the results themselves. Welcome to my show, Art.
1: James, uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, Looking forward to uh, spending some time with you and talking about leadership.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you coming back. My listeners don't know this, but Art had a fantastic interview with me, but unfortunately there was a little bit of a technical difficulties. So he is back for round two and we're going to do even better than we did the first time. So once again, Art, thank you so much for your time. I really
1: do Yeah, that's, that's it. good, James. <laughs> that's good.
0: Perfect. Now you have done so many amazing things. I mean, the first interview, like I don't want to keep talking about it, but the first interview blew me away with all the wonderful things that you have done in your own company. You really are an expert on the servanthood, uh, leadership style. And I really can't wait to talk about it. Now, one of the things that you and your wife did is you purchased a company called Datron world communications. And I believe you bought that in 2004 and within right. six years, it went from $10 million in annual sales to over $200 million. That is, it blows my mind. And all, a lot of it was due to this servant leadership. Is that correct?
1: It was, it was mostly due to the culture we had instilled with uh, servant leadership. Um, beliefs and practices and behaviors, and um, I, I don't think we could have done that without that uh, leadership approach. Well, yeah. let's,
0: let's talk about that. So my listeners who may not know what that servant leadership is, what exactly is that?
1: Well, you know, a lot of people have different definitions of servant leadership. Um, Greenleaf, who brought that into the corporate world back in the 70s, um, one of his major was do those you serve grow. Uh, But as a leader at Datron, I I had to, uh, what I believe that servant leaders do is they meet people where they are. So I had to come up with, what's the definition for servant leadership for the Datron company? Mm -hmm. And what we focused on and what we came up with was uh, we want to inspire Mm -hmm. and equip those we influence. Now, we didn't say those that report to us or those that are part of the company. Uh, What we believe is everyone is a leader because everyone influences someone around them. Mm. And so we approached it from that standpoint, but what we what we wanted to do was inspire people with a great mission and purpose, and we basically said we want to be a self-sustaining, profitable, so we, we have to make money, we have to get results, we have to do it without debt, we don't believe in getting results with debt, mm-hmm. um, uh, to positively impact the lives of others today and in the future. And so we added that in the future because it was, just as important to support customers after we sold, sold the product to them as it was to sell product to them or you know get get to that point mm-hmm. where we're able to sell to them so we want a relationship with that customer regardless of where we are in the cycle with them whether we're trying to sell them product delivered product or supporting product after the fact so positively impact the lives of others today and in the future and one of the things we instilled was we created a charitable fund. We put 10% of our operating profits every quarter into that fund. Oh wow. And, and we let the, our employees give that money away and that's how they live our purpose of positively impacting the oh, lives of others. So they, they get to live that through the charitable fund work because they helped create that profit.
0: So with that, they, they give that to different charity charities or that goes to them?
1: No, different different charities. Oh wow! Uh, set aside, and it has it goes to a five hundred one c three of their choice, and all we ask them to do is tell us why that charity is on your heart. Why mm-hmm. does it mean so much to you?
0: That's amazing, Art. You know, I I really like your mission because the people that you influence it it definitely dispels or it quashes that us versus them mentality when it comes to management versus employees. But not only that, but when you create that culture, an intrinsic culture within the company, it then also trickles out to the the sales that you do. It trickles out to the consumers with whom you associate. And, and I, I just really like that because it, it does, it changes the whole paradigm of how a company really will work because there's no, I mean, yeah, there are hierarchical roles, but because everybody influences everybody to make a product work, to make a company work in a, in a, and I guess a large organism that really is a, is a revolutionary way to look at things. And and, I, and obviously no wonder that's why you guys are so successful.
1: Yeah. And that, that, and when you give people a great purpose and you inspire them and then equip them, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can have great values. You can have a great mission. You can have a great purpose. But if you don't spend the money to train them, give them the tools they need, let them go do their job, and then for leaders, sometimes the most important thing we can do is get out of the way. You've done your job. You've inspired. You've equipped. You've trained. Now let them go do what you you you've trained them to do, and get out of their way. Yeah, right? that's a great point. Yeah. So
0: how do you how do you really remind leaders to do that? I mean, in other words, where is that fine line to say, okay, we've we've equipped them, we've trained them, let them go. How do you know when to let them go? Let, let your employees go.
1: Well, you know, I, I put most of my time in mentoring and coaching the the leaders in my company. So mm. uh, managers, directors, vice presidents, and and so my time is spent mentoring and watching their behavior mm. to ensure that their behavior reflects those of a servant leader. And uh-huh. you know what what I, what I want to help your listeners understand is you've got to give leaders a break leaders are people they are gonna <laughs> make mistakes. Yes. Don't put them on a pedestal because they'll disappoint you yeah. because nobody's perfect. And so we're all going through this transformation of a different mindset together. We all went through it together as a leadership team and as a company. And you know, there's a lot of grace that has to happen when you start thinking about serving people first and putting others above yourself because people are going to gonna go back to their world they were trained in before mm-hmm. we got into servant. I was trained as a power leader for almost 25 years. Oh, goodness, huge. Uh, I've, got, I've got some <laughs> good power leader behaviors buried in me, and, and every now and then, James, they come out and, and to get people to understand that, you know. Um, I had a, my senior team and I were having a, a tough discussion one day about servant leadership, and one of my staff members says, Art, right, what, what do you want? You know, you're kind of frustrated. What do you want? And I said, you know, I would love to receive as much grace from you uh, as I give to you, Mm. you know, because grace goes both ways. Yes, it does. And, you know, one of the staff members came back to me the next day. She says, you know what? You've forgiven me for making so many mistakes. She says, it's about time I start forgiving you for the mistakes you make and not expecting you to be perfect. Wow. And, you know, that's the type of environment you're, you're able to get to. When you're about serving other people, when it's not about you, where you can yeah. have those open and honest conversations, going, "Hey, yeah, I'm the CEO, but I have life struggles just like you do. Yes, yes, right. I, I don't. I, I, my life isn't perfect, and so, you know, extend me some grace. And and so, you know, you grow together, you transform together. People watch your behaviors. Leaders, when you're in a position of leadership, people watch how you behave. Yes, they do
0: and and it's not only just in the in the in the office i mean there's i've had people who see me out in the normal you know normal my normal life and that's that's Yep, and I'm like, oh, thank God! I look back at my comportment or my behavior, and I'm like, oh, thank God that I was congruent with who I am. I mean, which which is normally who I am. But you know, you you often want to just be aware of that. That people are always watching you, whether you realize it or not, and it's important to be congruent and that your integrity always shines through, regardless. But I wanted to go back to what you said as far as when you were when they asked what you want. You know, you're being able to give grace both ways. It really removes the ego because when we realize or our staff realizes that we are fallible it removes that that facade that ego facade that we often create as a leader to say i have all the answers i know what i'm doing you follow me and to remove that 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 facade allows for people to just relax to exhale to be able to rely on everybody else to say well there are checks and balances to make sure that we all are moving in this in this this intrinsic way to move towards serving the people around us, which then in turn serves our clients as well. So I really like right, how it dispels right, right. that myth of the ego.
1: And, and, you know, once you instill that, that, um, that culture, you know, I, I, I love to go down and talk to people on our manufacturing floor when we have a problem because they're the ones that are building the product. Tell me where you're struggling. Well, th- that approach is great when you're implementing and changing your culture because you have to show the way for your leaders. But once they get it and they start doing that, then my role as CEO is not to do that anymore Mm. and let my leadership team go do that and create the relationship with the people. So it isn't that I go walk around the floor every day and talk to people. I train my leaders to the point where they get to do that. They get the relationship and when I go out on the floor, people don't panic They're going, What's art doing out there today? Who's you talk to? You? What kind of problems? They're going, sure. art's, art's out there having a good time talking to people, and that's great. Um, so.
0: So you almost train down in the sense of you train, you, 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 um, the word I'm looking for, you role model what you want your staff to do or what you want your leaders to do. And then as they do that, then you, then you perhaps role model to the next level up
1: and and keep and and keep going. And, you know, we decided that when we started training on servant leadership to train everybody in the company, Mm. because like I said before, we believe everybody's a leader. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to surround people with servant lead- with the servant leadership culture so that if I did have someone in the company who hadn't bought into our culture, that they would run into servant leadership whether they went and talked to their leadership team, their peers, or people that work for them. They ran into servant leadership everywhere, ah, right? Yeah. And, and when you do that, at some point in time, the, the person who doesn't want to jump on board with your culture will decide, you know what, I'm getting surrounded by this stuff. I can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go find somewhere where it's more durable for me. And that's okay. Yeah. And, and what I try and help people to understand is the servant leadership culture isn't for everybody. And it doesn't make them a bad person if they don't fit in. It's just our role now becomes how do we help them find a company that will accept them the way they are? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Which, which is still a
0: point of servitude. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this, <laughs> we always say that the, our serving. People and helping people doesn't end with the employment contract. I like that. Yeah. Right? Because we serve the life, we yeah. don't serve the employment contract. And so, um, uh, and so our responsibility is how do we positively impact that life, whether they're with us or not.
0: I wanted to jump over into your book because I remember what we talked about before is, you know, with a, with you, your company creates communication. Well, first off, why don't you tell us what Datron communication does? Yes,
1: yeah. Datron is in the military communications business. We make handheld radios, uh, uh man pack radios that go on the back of soldiers. They go into uh, military vehicles, base stations. Uh, we do ground forces and naval forces. We're on a lot of navy ships as well, but we don't sell to the U.S. military. We sell to foreign militaries.
0: Mm-hmm. This is what I love. Yes, and, yeah, so, and, and
1: so we we go we go help those countries that the U.S. is trying to help create democracy. So we're we're very active in the Middle East. We're, we're very active throughout Africa. And what we love to do is we love to go into countries and ask them how can we help you with your mission. Mm-hmm. And all the generals that I've that I've talked to over the years. All of them want two things. They want to provide security for their nation, for their country, and, or sovereignty, excuse me, and security for their citizens. And I'm going, well, that's exactly what we want to do here in the United States, you know, protect <laughs> our country and protect our citizens. And all of the people that we serve, they, they want to do it with great communication so they don't have to do anything else. Yeah. And, and, and one of the, the first customers I dealt with was in Zimbabwe. Uh, I dealt with the Zimbabwe Republic police. And there was a signals officer there that we went in and, and they were looking to do a, a countrywide HF system and high frequency. And I asked asked Eric, I said, how can I help you? He says, Art, I, I don't have a great president. Every time we have elections, we have demonstrations. He says, I want to control those demonstrations with great communications so we don't have to use weapons. Mm. And, I, and I said, Eric, why is that so important to you? Why that's so so close to your heart? He says, because the people who demonstrate are my friends and sometimes my family. Oh, wow. So think about that. He wants to help let them voice their opinion, do it in a safe way so they don't have to do anything. And I said, Eric, I will help you do that. And about six or seven years after we in, installed the equipment there, there was an article that came out uh, by the um, one of the major uh, news organizations that said the recent elections in Zimbabwe were the least violent in the country's history. Oh my gosh, wow. All right, and that was published in the paper here in San Diego, and I took that article, got all the employees together, and I said, guys, this is why we do what we do. Our equipment saves lives. Mm. That's what we're all about, we wanna save lives. And so it's really important that the equipment we that, that goes out of here can save a life the minute it can, it can be turned on. So if you don't think it should go out the door, you need to raise your hand and say, no, I'm not going to let this go out the door because it's, it's a personal thing. We want to help save yeah. lives. Um, be- because
0: it's not just filling an order. You're really, th- there's a meaning behind it. There's, a, there's power behind it in the sense of you really are saving lives. If, if this is a faulty uh, equipment that you're sending out, I mean, then that potentially could raise you know, some problems there, of course
1: you got people and militaries that are in some very, very difficult parts of the world. And we want the technology to work. We want it to be easy to use. And the reason we do that is so that individual can focus on their mission and not the technology. You know, we got people who want to, they want to give everybody in the world the best technology in the world. Well, that isn't what the mission needs. They don't need the best technology. They need technology that works when they need it to work.
0: I I really like that. That's a, that's a really powerful distinction. I mean, you can have the the most bells and whistles, but if the bells and whistles are like perhaps a prototype and you need it in that moment, it's not, and it doesn't work. I mean, well, there's doesn't matter how many bells and whistles you have. You're in trouble.
1: It it, it doesn't matter. And so, and what our customers like about it is we give them the technology they can use and they, and the price of the equipment reflects that. So -hmm. they don't have to pay for all this technology that they're never going to use. Yeah. Right. And when the generals started to understand our approach to that, uh, they said, "Well, what about my high-end security guys that you know we know they're going to have to go out on NATO missions um, and communicate with U.S. forces?" I said, "Don't risk those lives by giving them our equipment. Go give them our competitors' equipment that the U.S. military has." Mm, and, wow, and the general wow. says, "You That's want me amazing. to buy someone else's?" I said, "Yes, because." Here's what I believe. I believe only 10, maybe 15 or 20 percent of your military is high-end security forces that need that equipment. Mm-hmm. The other eighty percent, they they'll never use the technology. So why pay for that? Wow. And we don't want to put people's lives at risk. So if our equipment doesn't meet that need, go buy some buy someone's equipment who does, because we don't want to put lives at risk. And you know, generals don't they don't hear that from people. Mm-hmm. What they hear from companies is here's what we have to sell, you have to buy it, and you have to buy it for everybody we take a different approach. First, we wanna know what their mission is, we wanna understand what their challenges are. I had one customer come and tell me, he says, "Art, right, your radios are too difficult to, to operate, and they don't work. I said, well, I, I think they do. What's the real issue? He says, the real issue is 80% of the, the men we recruit in our military can't read or write their own language. Oh, he says, I have, to, I have to teach them how to read and write, I have to teach them how to use your radio, and then I have to deploy them in the first 90 to 180 days. Oh wow! no that, that that's a lot of work. So tell me what you want in a radio. And he came back in in thirty days and told me five things he had to have in a radio. We went off. I said, give me a year. And a year later, I traveled into that country, and it was Afghanistan. I traveled in Kabul and uh, hand delivered the first radio to the general in his office and said, "Excuse me, general, I made this for you. This is radio was made specifically for you guys." Hmm. And he looked at me and he had a little tear in his eye and he said, Art, he says, no one has ever done this for me before. I said, General, we believe in your mission. We're here to help you. I want to give you, I want to equip you with the tools you need to do your job. So we meet them where they are and give them the equipment they need to do their mission. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And
0: yeah. that's a great thing about this book that, you know, the Art of Servant Leadership Part 2 that I really want my listeners obviously to purchase. But it goes through the whole story of of how Datron, of how they went from, from when you purchased it to the implementation of this and the process and how, and it really just teaches, I guess, the techniques and if what worked for you and what didn't work. So I know a lot of the people who purchase this book, when they look at their own companies, they can really see use you guys as a template uh, to really help and change their own culture of of their company as well.
1: Right. And and here's what I would encourage people who read the book. Don't take that and just implement it. You're a leader in your company you get information from me, the Kim Blanchers, the Maxwell's, the Covey's, whoever you get information from and learn from, get all that information together, and then you have to decide what part of each part of that learning process that you learn will best help your people and your organization mm-hmm. get better. Yeah. Because no one out there has the, the, just the solution for everything. And I took bits and pieces from a whole bunch of people and said okay now i have to meet my people where they are and give them what they need to get inspired and equip them and so um i i believe that you're going to take a lot of information from a lot of different sources and then figure out what's best for your organization And that's how your organization is going to thrive because you're going to meet them where they are. You're not going to bring a book in and go, Hey, we're going to go implement this
0: because a cookie cutter approach for any situation is never going to work. So I really like how you do have people, just like you told that general to go purchase, you know, another, your competitors um, devices because that worked for them. So the whole thing is you want to figure out what works for you from multiple different um, sources and then you create your own paradigm.
1: Right. Right. So uh, I'll I'll leave you with the story. I had a general, from another country in the Middle East come to me in London last September and give me a coin. And he said, Art, I want you to have this coin. We only made 100 of them, it's a commemorative coin uh, in our country, and he says, I want you to know, Art, that you and your people at Datron have served our country, and it was the country of Jordan, more from your heart than any other company we've ever done business with. Wow. Now, that's the real definition of servant leadership, when the people you serve See that you're serving them from your heart, mm-hmm. right, and not from your pocketbook. So that's what I want to leave your guests with today.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean that really. That's something that you it doesn't matter what you try and implement when you exactly when you have your own this, these organizations or these countries come to you. I mean that that's really all the credit you need, and that's it shows how how influential you all are. So, yep, yep. Well, Art Barter, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on my show today. Thank you once again for coming back and joining with us for the second time. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about Datron and all the amazing things you do, plus purchase this book, Art of Servant Leadership, Part Two, how you get results is more important than the results themselves. Where would they find this information online?
1: Uh, go to the Servant Leadership Institute and spell it out. I know it's long, but do it.com. Uh, you'll get all the information. You can search my name, Art Barter, uh, Servant Leadership Institute. Servant Leadership will pop up up and usually the first page or two. And uh, a lot of information is out on the servantleadershipinstitute.com website.
0: Excellent. So what my listeners also know what I do is if they're not able to find your book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any other digital stores, simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com. And in the store there, you can also find this book, The Art of Servant Leadership Part 2. Art Barter, thank you once again for being a phenomenal guest. I really, really do appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me back, James. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot.